It is Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Down goes Clemson. And a Dodgers pitcher in some hot water. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Duke dominates Clemson 28-7. Dodgers pitcher Julio Arias arrested on felony domestic violence charges. And Team USA starts the medal round uh, at FIBA. What is the Vegas lead here, Scott? Let's talk about what happened last night. Duke beating Clemson, number nine Clemson. Going down in embarrassing fashion, AJ, in a game that maybe you thought, hey, Duke would cover the 13-point spread. It certainly it went down to 12. But you, did you see Duke winning 28-7 to over Clemson? I didn't, but now that the game's been played and it's all over, I'm not totally shocked. And he, I started thinking this on Sunday when I saw Oregon State play. And I saw DJ Uyunglele look like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking to myself, did something change with him? Like, this guy was a guy, he was looked at it like a bum. He was was 22 and six as a starter? Right. Yeah. Yeah, What a bum. Yeah. And he looked the best I've ever seen him look in that game against San Jose State. Now, granted, it was against San Jose State. I, I, I get it. But. I mean, you could argue he looked better than Caleb Williams did against that same team. And it, so I, it got me to thinking, man, when I, start, when I was watching this Clemson-Duke game and I see Cade Klubnik struggling to move the ball, my thought was, this is a Clemson issue. Mm. It's, it, this, there's no more of this Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson like era where they, they were just able to move the ball at will. The defense is the same. I, I still think this is an elite defense. 28 points to Duke isn't isn't ideal, uh, but the defense, despite that score, did not play poorly. No, there was a couple of chunk plays. Riley Leonard had a 44-yard rushing touchdown. Jordan Walters had the 36-yard long run. And by the way, a lot of people think Riley Leonard's a first-round draft pick, so mm. it, it's not. There's no shame in it. The offense has to be better than this, though. This was. There's no other way to put it. An embarrassing performance, particularly embarrassing red zone performance like not, not just red zone performance aj goal line yeah performances let's call it goal to go offense and that's to me what what this game comes down to and we'll hear from Davo swinney in just a minute he's not but, happy we'll just give you a warning no pizza parties no uh but clemson at one point in the third quarter had three offensive possessions inside the five yard line and they went missed field goal, turnover, turnover. Like that, that that's that's embarrassing when you have that happen. So the first situation was they get down to the goal line and there's a false start penalty. It happens, you're on the road, the crowd's loud, whatever. So now you're pushed back to the six yard line. Then Cade Klubnik sacked, four yard loss. Uh-oh. Now you're back at the 10 and you throw an incomplete pass. Now it's third and goal from the 10. Klubnik runs, whatever, gets to the four, fourth and goal. You settle for a field goal. 
field goal is blocked. The second, by the way, blocked kick of the night. So it's 13-7. What does Clemson do on there? They, they force a three and out, and then they drive the ball all the way down to the seven-yard line, and then a fumble. Mm. Turn the football over. On first and goal at the seven in a 13-7 game, turn the football over. So what do they do after that? They force another three and out. And then they drive the ball all the way down to the one-yard line. First and goal at the one-yard line. And there's another fumble. And this one, Duke actually ran back 55 yards. Klubnik ran down the defender, tackled him at the 33-yard line. But not one, but two fumbles when you had the football inside the seven-yard line. And then two times you had the ball at the goal line. And they not only had to kick a field goal and get it blocked, but then they fumbled. That's just terrible execution. This game could have easily been, when you're looking at the score, Clemson could have been up by three touchdowns. Yeah, you can make an argument. Uh, but they also they, they put themselves in these bad spots. Like Ball security is a big issue. Uh, to, to fumble the ball three times and to lose two of them. Klubnik fumbled another time that he didn't get yeah. punished on. Uh, and he throws a pick. I mean, if this is the the quarterback that Cade Klubnik is... The interception also, it went right through his receiver's hands. Yeah, like, but, yeah. I mean, it, it happens, but where's the positive things that Cade Klubnik did yesterday? Like, where, what were the things that you said, oh, he did this really well, he didn't run the ball well, he didn't particularly throw the ball well. It, I mean, if it weren't for Will Shipley, I, I don't know that you could say anything positive about this offense yesterday. Mm-hmm. They, they, It was gross, and Will Shipley had a couple big chunk runs. He impressed. Outside of that, they had nothing. And when you looked at the other side specifically and you saw what Riley Leonard did, it made you go, man, which one of these guys is supposed to be the bigger prospect here? I thought Cade Klubnik was a Heisman contender. Mm-hmm. That's not going to win the Heisman. That's not even going to win you 10 games. Let's hear from Dabo after the loss. I mean, just a, you know, obviously a, a huge, huge win for them. And, and they, they earned it and they deserved it. Um, and an incredibly disappointing loss. Uh, that's honestly all my years of football. I, I've never been a part of a game like that, ever. Um, and been here at Clemson a long time. Since I've been the head coach, we were 58-0 when we rushed for 200 and passed for 200. Uh, that's usually a pretty good indicator. And I think in, in Clemson history, we were 108-0. Never lost, ever. Uh, so, you know, but you got to finish. You got to finish, and and obviously we we did not do that. Um, so many opportunities, uh, you know, on the one yard line, a couple times, uh, one for four in the red zone. You know, t- the, obviously the turnovers, three turnovers, a couple low block kicks um, that really didn't even give them a chance. Uh, but you know, again, twice first and goal from the one, and we get no points. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just it's it's really really disappointing. And uh, there's really nothing else you can say about it. But uh, again, you got to give them credit because they hung in there. They made plays. They didn't. I mean, again, we got a lot of yards and a lot of first downs. But uh, you know, we didn't make the the critical play when we needed to um, to get the points. So you know, just just a really uh, disappointing night. Uh, Again, you know, every indicator that you think is going to win, you know, 200, 229 first down, 715 on third down. Uh, but it came down to red zone, three turnovers, and uh, the, the two block kicks. So uh, just incredibly disappointing um, 
you know, star force. Um, incredibly disappointing. 108 and 0? That's incredible. It 200 is. rushing yards, 200 passing yards, 108 and 0, and they lose for the first time last night. Well, that's what happens when you fumble the ball three times with goal to go. Yeah. And again, ball security, ball security. But it's also, you know, maybe. D- there, there's times where you could be better, better play callers in that zone as well. Sure. Like, you know, it, it's, I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel like Dabo's playing to his strengths. And this is a guy who, not long ago, I would have said, this is one of the, the best coaches in the country, bar, mm-hmm. bar none. But at some point, you have to say, man, this guy's not getting the job done. Because like, we keep talking about the talent that's there. He's got it. Yeah. What's the holdup? Why why are they why aren't they playing better than what they are? I, I don't have an explanation for it, but that right now this is not good enough for them to you know to be what they expect to be. The idea that this team is going to play Florida State in three weeks, they're in trouble. Yeah, if this team shows up to play Florida State in three weeks, they're in for a real long night because LSU played a lot better than uh, Clemson did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And if the, it, like their offense better be a completely different thing by the time uh, Florida State comes into town. Well, they'll have the uh, get right game next week or this coming weekend against Charleston Southern. Then they play Florida Atlantic, but they're at home for that one. So they'll bounce back. They'll be two and one. And then they host Florida State. So you're hoping that the crowd gets behind you. You've righted the ship after this bad loss and they look like a different team going into that Florida State game. So if you're Davos Swinney, you have to just look at the positives here and say, all right, we lost this game, tough game on the road. Let's handle business the next two weeks, and then let's reassess our team after the Florida State game. Clemson, after the loss, has now dropped to 60-1 to to win the national championship. So a, uh, obviously a, a massive downgrade. And obviously Florida State now the, the healthy favorite yes. to be the ACC champions. Let's talk about the other side of this, and you've got a Duke team with a a coach in Mike Elko who is becoming very well regarded in in head coaching circles as like one of the best minds in college football. You've got a a pro prospect at quarterback in Riley Leonard who just looked great against one of the two or three best defenses in the country. The, The schedule now after this Clemson game, Lafayette, Northwestern, at UConn before the Notre Dame game, which is at home. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if if Notre Dame beats Ohio State in week four, like college game day is probably at Duke for Duke Notre Dame. Like this is a it, it's that would be a, a huge game in week five if both those teams are undefeated at that point. But this Duke team, what's the ceiling for them? Because obviously, like I said, well coached, good quarterback. Just beat up one of the best, I guess, the best defense that's going to be on their schedule. Mm-hmm. What's the ceiling for them? Uh, they'll be in the top 25 this week when new rankings come out uh, because they were one of the teams that were, were receiving votes in that 25 yeah. to 30 range, maybe even 35, whatever. So I think they creep in with this win. And you look at them and you think, well, can they put themselves in a position? to be the second team in the ACC. I mean, now all you've got to do is finish with the same record as Clemson because you've got the head You have the tiebreaker. So, yeah, I would say... So you can lose to Florida State, and if you beat North Carolina, maybe 
maybe they're playing Florida State again for the ACC championship. I think sky's the limit for them. I think this was a very impressive win. I think Riley Leonard took a major step forward. And I think Mike Elko, listen, this is a guy who, who, who you know, made his bones uh, coaching defense. And if the defense is going to play like that, I, I think that we can expect them to be in every game. The question is how much of it was Duke playing great defense? How much of it was Clemson playing bad offense? Because that's, that's, that's what we've seen the last couple years out of Clemson's yeah, offense. And that's the thing, though. It, it, this game could have been a completely different story if Clemson, forget about even uh, scoring on all three times they got down to the goal line. Just do it once. What if the field goal goes in and then they get one touchdown of the next two drives where they get to the goal yeah. line, right? So now we're talking about 10 more points. We're taking away seven from from Duke, from Duke, maybe even taking away another touchdown late in the game when they broke that run when – the Clemson kids just gave up. Yeah. What, this is a completely different game. It is, but I, you can look at it both ways because you can look at the scoreboard that says Clemson scored seven points and the only touchdown they got came off a muff punt yes, for, from true. Duke. Yep. So, it's, I mean, it, they could have put up 31. They could have just as easily put up zero. Uh, so if, if Duke, that's the, like basically the one mistake Duke made all day, they got punished for it. Without that, Clemson might not score. They, they may be egged. In week one, which would have been wild. Yeah. What hurts um, uh, Duke this year as opposed to last year is that there's no divisions anymore in the ACC. Uh, Remember, Duke was the second place team in the Coastal Division last year. They were nine and four and North Carolina won the Coastal at nine and five. Or I should say conference record. Conference record, they were 5-3. and three. North Carolina was 6-2. and two. Yeah. So they were just one game back of going to the ACC championship. There's no divisions this year, so you're going to have to finish with that second best record because we assume right now that Florida State will have the best record. Well, here's what I'll say. I think it's good that they don't have divisions because that means they can, they can lose to Florida State, mm-hmm. who's on their schedule, yep. and, and wouldn't have been if they were still playing with divisions. But if you assume they lose that game, they still have a chance because they just beat the presumptive second best team in the conference. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really going to boil down to as long as Duke doesn't slip up somewhere along the way. And listen, not all these games are games are gimme. Louisville's not a gimme. Louisville's going to be tough this year. North Carolina state's good. Uh, Wake forest is always good at at Virginia will be interesting, but if, if they win the games they are supposed to, and then they are able to win that game at North Carolina, they can be in the ACC championship. I know it's only been one game, but if you stack ranked all the opponents mm-hmm. they're going to play this year, m- most people would have said this was the second toughest game on the schedule. At Florida State, uh, then a home game to Clemson, That's that would be the uh, one and two. This this feels like you know this is a huge win for their chances this year. They're going to be playing with some confidence going forward. Now, I'm not going to give them the Deion Sanders Colorado boost up, but I do elevate Duke a bit. I think you have to. Like, if you're not if you're not upping their power rating after this, I I, I don't know what they would have to do. Uh, so to me, Duke is. I'm I'm looking at them dip more in a different light today than I was yesterday. I can say that. You know, every once in a while, I'll be sitting at home and saying, "What are we going to cook for dinner? What are we going to cook for?" It? My wife says, "I don't know." And then guess what happens? Omaha Steaks comes by and drops meat off on my front porch and makes all the decisions that much easier, Scott. Meat to your front porch? Can't beat it, baby. Doesn't get better than that. I had the meatballs last night, and 
They were delicious, man. It was easy to cook, reheat in the oven, and bang, dinner is served. It's steaks, it's chicken, it's pork chops, it's it's meatballs, like you said. They've got sides, so much great stuff. Guys, they've got a great sale going on right now. The Omaha Steak semi-annual sale is here. It's a sale so nice, they only do it twice. Score mouth-watering savings on all your Omaha Steaks favorites with 50% off site-wide during that semi-annual sale going on right now. From tender, juicy steaks to big, beefy burgers, scrumptious sides, decadent desserts and so much more now's the perfect time to grab all your favorites plus get an extra $30 off when you use our promo code Vegas at checkout and every purchase is backed by their unconditional money back guarantee simply go to omahasteaks.com and shop the semi-annual sale today that's omahasteaks.com promo code Vegas at checkout minimum purchase may apply AJ can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL regular season game It's crazy, right? Well, thankfully, it's over. NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now. Use the code VEGAS to sign up. New customers will take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code Vegas only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. DraftKings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. The Dodgers got some troubling news yesterday. A starter, Julio Urias, was arrested on felony domestic violence charges. It is his second domestic violence arrest in the past four years. He's 27 years old, and he is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. But forget about the end of the season. Does he pitch again for the Dodgers this year? It's hard to imagine. Remember last time that he was that this incident happened, he was suspended for 20 games. A second incident, it's obviously going to be a longer suspension, uh, if not indefinite. I, I, don't, I don't think I think he's done for the season. So this is another blow to a, a Dodgers pitching staff who keeps losing pieces. Uh, it, it looks like they've lost another one for the season. Dodgers posted on uh, X. Quote, they are aware of an incident involving Julio Urias. Uh, He is not with the team as they begin their six-game road trip starting tonight in Miami. Uh, Major League Baseball is investigating. This is what we know, and they do their own investigating. So we'll find out, and and, uh, we'll see what the suspension is going to be. Well, I mean, obviously, the Dodgers are one of the favorites, and— you know, this was this is a big blow to them because now if you look at their their starting pitching, it's Clayton Kershaw. The 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 presumed second starter in a playoff series would have been Julio Arias. Now you're talking about Lance Lynn, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a pretty big drop off. Do the Dodgers have the kind of pitching that can get them through a playoff series? And I know there's there's talk that Walker Bueller could be back in September, which would be a nice boost, but you're going to have to work him back. Like It's not like he's going to just show up and throw 100 pitches. Do the Dodgers have the pitching right now to win the NL or, or, or a World Series? I don't see it. 
I think this is uh, and, and Rios was not having a good season, but I I I, I don't see it. I, I think that. You could have made the argument that they were on – they're a little below the Braves, but certainly, you know, up there with a chance, especially with their lineup. And But, no, I, I just think that they don't have the pitching. They're going to have to piecemeal this thing together with relievers, and I just don't – I don't see it happening in the postseason because I think if they match up and we know how important pitching is in the postseason, when they match up with – what if they play the Phillies? You know, what what if they play uh, one of these other teams that do have multiple elite starting pitchers? I don't I don't like their chances. I I don't either. I don't think you can because you said it. Urias not having the best year, he's still the second best pitcher in their rotation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a massive blow, and you can only out hit somebody so many times. Like you you need some. And let's face it, this isn't Clayton Kershaw of 2010 either. Yeah. You know, this is a this is a real problem for the Dodgers, and Walker Bueller could help, but I don't know that he can save the day. Uh, I, and really, no change in the uh, in the World Series odds yet. Braves still plus thirty to win the World Series. Dodgers the second best in the NL at plus four ten. But I, I don't think you can make. I don't think you can play the Dodgers right now to win the World Series. I think this is a massive blow. I would agree. Uh, I don't like them. I don't like the number on them. I mean, just to win the National League. They're plus one ninety five. Uh, I don't. I don't like that. I, I would certainly like them to be a, a much longer payout than that. I, I mean, the only thing to like about the Dodgers now, given given what we know, is I mean they've got a fourteen game lead in their division. So like the Braves, they we know they're winning their division. They're safely in. Uh, they're almost at this point a lock to be the two seed in, in the NL. So you like that, but. Again, this just just feels like such a crushing blow. Like the offense is great, the pitching has been rough, and they've pieced some things together. But they've lost guys over the course of the season, and now this feels like the straw that breaks the camel's mm-hmm. back. Because you know whatever whatever Arias whatever kind of season he was having, he he was still a guy that they would have counted on in a playoff yes. series. Yes. and the drop off to a Emmett Sheehan mm-hmm. from him is is massive. Elsewhere around the league, Justin Steele, at, who at one time, uh, I remember when we did uh, the baseball pod with Josh Towers, which we'll have a new episode coming out later on today, we had talked about the disrespect in the Cy Young odds where Justin Steele was still 25-1 to 1 because everyone was talking about Blake Snell, Spencer Strider, and Zach Gowan. And it was Strider and Gowan who were the favorites. And then Blake Snell was the third guy who was charging really hard yep. because, you know, he had, had that incredible run. And, and we were saying Justin Steele is disrespected at 25 to 1. It just doesn't make sense with how good he is. And when you look at the stats around Major League Baseball, how low his ERA is. And right now he has tied with Spencer Strider for the most wins after throwing eight shutout innings yesterday, tied with Spencer Strider for the most wins in Major League Baseball at 16. And he is right behind Blake Snell as the Major League Baseball ERA leader. What are the strikeout numbers? Not great. That's the problem. 153 strikeouts, only a 9.1 K per nine compared to Blake Snell, who's got 201 and Spencer Strider, who's got 245. Snell's at 11.7K per nine. Strider's at 13.8K per nine. Yeah, those are the numbers that that wow voters, I feel like. And uh, it's, 
I, I think that right now it's tough. It's going to be tough for Blake Snell also, though, because his his, his win totals aren't what they mm-hmm. you know what these other guys are. He's only got twelve wins. Well, let me tell you about the odds change up on DraftKings. Blake Snell is minus one ninety to win the Cy Young now in the National League. Justin Steele's your second favorite at plus two hundred. That's that's surprising to me because I'm looking at the the upcoming schedule for the Padres and Blake Snell's next two starts are at Houston and at the Dodgers. Those are those are tough starts. Mm-hmm. And for him to be the favorite, I don't know that I'd want to pay a favorite's price on a guy who those are his next two starts in line. Listen, McKenzie was on the Justin Steele bandwagon for a while now. He kept on saying, what? Disrespect. ERA has to matter, right? McKenzie was screaming. <laughs> I've been trying to tell you about this advanced metric, earned runs average. I'll break it down. It has to do with how many innings you pitch. But did you bet 25 to 1? Tell me you got that in your pocket right now. No, no. Oh. I have two Cy Young tickets. One is the preseason ticket on Zach Gallon at 16 to 1. And one is the ticket on Blake Snell at 7 to 1. At least you'll uh, cash that, probably. But <laughs> probably not, though, Justin is going to win this award. Yeah, you might you, <laughs> right? you, you might have need... a ticket for everybody, but the one horse you need. You just need Snell to get blown up if you hold a Justin Teal t- steel ticket, and you, you're looking good. Yeah, or if he just continues this run, and and you look at the standings right now in the National League Central, the Cubs two and a half games back of the Brewers. So remember, the Brewers at one point when they won nine straight games, everyone thought they were pulling away from the Cubbies in this division. Well. The Cubs have won seven of their last ten. The the Brewers, they've dropped two straight. And now the Cubs, who I gave out to win that division at five to one, they're two and a half games back of the Brewers and it's in September, the Central. Which means the Brewers should start a pretty solid tailspin here soon if history oh, yeah, is any happens. indicator. Yes, it always happens. Uh, one other story before we get into the preview of tonight's action. Uh, Shohei Otani's agent speaking to the media and and pretty much confirmed that like Otani's gonna need Tommy John surgery. Like, this is going to happen. Um, he had uh, a previous UCL tear. He underwent stem cell and PRP therapy in, in hopes of trying to avoid surgery. And then what happened? Womp, womp, womp. He got the surgery. Yeah. So this time around, yeah, he's going to get the surgery. But that's not going to deter him from continuing to be a pitcher as well as a hitter. Yeah, his agent has come out and said there's no question uh, there's not a question in his mind. He's going to come back and he's going to continue to do both. So, and now listen, this is a guy who is about to be a free agent. He's about to go into a negotiating room and he wants to be able to say, hey, you're getting a two way player. Yeah. With me. And I, I know that I'm going to make you pay for it and I'm not going to pitch this season, but give me a year. I'll be back and I will be pitching for you. And I'll be honest, I think that's the way he should do it. Like, there's been people who have said he needs to stop pitching. He needs to stop pitching. I don't believe that. I I think that this guy is such a great pitcher that it's worth it for him to sit. You know, I mean, he's going to have to sit out a year anyway. He can't just keep hitting with a torn UCL. I know he's done it this season, Mm -hmm. but he would need to get that fixed. So I I would, I still say the best move for him is to to continue doing both until his body just says no more of this. Now, if this were to happen again, Maybe you have that conversation, but he came back from the previous UCL tear and was one of the best pitchers in the league. If he comes back from this one and he's pitching well again, you got to keep throwing him out there. McKenzie, question. Um, the there's one of the other options instead of Tommy John surgery here is the stem cells and the PRP treatment in an effort to strengthen the UCL. Is that what Brock Purdy did? Instead of having the Tommy John? Yeah, Purdy did did avoid Tommy John surgery. I'm not sure how much his tear is compared to what Otani's was, but 
it was an internal brace. It wasn't exactly the same procedure. It was a lot, a lot less than that. Yeah. yeah. So this, what, what Purdy did was a basically a repair versus a restructuring. Okay. Uh, Tommy John is a, a full restructuring of that ligament. So Purdy's clearly couldn't have been severe or mm-hmm. couldn't have been severe enough that it required restructuring. So they were able to repair the current one, which is uh, you know, I, if that were an option for Otani, I'm sure he'd do it. But I, I'm guessing it's not. Well, let's take a look at the schedule for tonight in Major League Baseball. And a reminder, you'll catch a new episode of the Major League Baseball podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview with myself and former big league pitcher Josh Towers recording that later on today. Uh, coming up tonight, the Twins are at the Guardians after the Twins absolutely demolished them yesterday, 20-6. to Oh, let's pick up Lucas Giolito and throw him out there. It'll be a good idea. Why not? I mean, he was great for the Angels. How about nine runs allowed in three innings for Giolito starting for the Guardians last night? Don't think that one worked out for them, AJ. No, and like you said, maybe they they thought they had a a shot and catch some lightning in a bottle, but Lucas Giolito's just not a good pitcher right now. Mm -hmm. And we've seen him be great. We've seen him be bad. We've seen him be good. And then this year we've seen him be just downright dreadful. So mm-hmm. this is uh, – I, I don't think the magic's coming back with Giolito. Sonny Gray on the mound for the Twins. Tanner Beebe goes for Cleveland, and this is an even spread. you got minus 110 both ways. The Brewers are at the Pirates, and it's going to be Brandon Woodruff on the mound for the Brew Crew. And it looks like it's uh, scheduled Andre Jackson to go for the Pirates, but there's no line on this game yet because pitching situation could likely change here. The Red Sox are at the Rays. Cutter Crawford going for Boston. Zach Eflin for Tampa. The Rays are minus 160. Dodgers are at the Marlins. Clayton Kershaw going for L.A. Jesus Lazardo for Miami. L.A. is minus 155. Mariners at the Reds and Bryce Miller on the mound for the Mariners. Going for the Reds is Connor Phillips making his major league debut. Congratulations, Connor, getting the call up. Seattle, minus 160 against the Rook. The Tigers are at the Yankees. Garrett Cole will pitch. He is the favorite to win the American League Cy Young Award. And Alex Fajardo will go for the Tigers. The Baby Bombers on full display this past weekend in Houston. How will they do in their Bronx debut? List of Yankees players to have two home runs in their first three major league games. Aaron Judge, Jason Dominguez. That is all. Well, I get. I mean, might as well start building the uh, the bust, right? Like it's already done. It's, I'm just saying, this kid will probably hit 63 next year. It's got to happen. Yeah, future MVP. Yeah, Mets at the Nationals. Jose Quintana goes for the Mets. Patrick Corbin for DC. The Mets are minus 140. Cardinals are at the Braves. Miles Michaelis, the scheduled pitcher for the Cardinals. The Braves do not have an announced pitcher as of yet. White Sox are at the Royals. Dylan Cease get the start for the White Sox, who are an absolute embarrassment to Major League Baseball right now. And the Royals will send Brady Singer to the mound. Kansas City minus 120. Kansas City was minus 160 yesterday, and they blew out the White Sox. Yeah, this is wild. Dylan Cease is having a, a rough season, especially by his standards. But the fact that if you would have told me at any point this season the Royals will be a minus 120 favorite going against Dylan Cease, I would have thought you were out of your mind. That tells you how how broken these White Sox are right now. Giants are at the Cubbies. Kyle Hendricks goes for Chicago. Ryan Walker will get the start for San Francisco. Cubs minus 145. Astros at the Rangers. Nice comeback. 
for the Astros last night. They had lost three straight after getting swept by the Yankees and found themselves down early against Texas last night, but a six-run seventh inning propelled them to a 13-6 win in an important game against the Rangers. Yeah, it was big, but it came, and it also clinched them a tiebreaker with the Rangers should that situ- should that scenario come mm-hmm. up uh, later on. But uh, it came at a cost because Ryan Stanek, who's one of the, the better Astros bullpen arms, mm-hmm. Uh, rolled his ankle covering first base, had to get like carted off the field. Like, it's a, it looked like it's a pretty gnarly injury. So the Astros, who are already struggling with pitching depth, may have lost one of their better arms. Mm, something to keep an eye on tonight as Framber Valdez gets the start for Houston. Nathan Yavaldi comes off the IL to Welcome get the back. start for the Rangers. Houston minus 120 in this one. Orioles are at the Angels. Dean Kramer goes for Baltimore. Reed Detmers for L.A. Baltimore's minus 155. Rockies at the Diamondbacks. Kyle Freeland for the Rockies. Brandon Fott for the Diamondbacks. Arizona's minus 205. Blue Jays at the A's. Chris Bassett for Toronto. Ken Waldachuk. For the A's, Toronto's minus 190, and the Phillies are at the Padres. Michael Lorenzen going for the Phillies, and Pedro Avila gets the start for the Padres. This is an even spread, minus 110. NFL news out of Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals have named Kyler Murray one of their team captains. Now, this isn't new. He's been a captain. This is now four straight years. Mm -hmm. Uh, quarterbacks usually are. They usually are, but they're usually there for the games playing. Oh, uh, Kyler Murray obviously starting the the season injured. Um, I, I also find it odd that a year ago we were talking about Kyler Murray's film time and how many video games he plays and things like that, and now he's the team captain despite not being on the field with his team. Does this give you a little bit more confidence? that Kyler Murray's going to play this season? I think that's what they want us to believe. Ooh. That's well, the point of the story. It's like, oh, Kyler Murray might come back and he's already a team captain. I don't think he plays one snap this year. I don't think My he prediction. does either. And there was like kind of some discussion this weekend about how the Cardinals would save money by not playing him this season. Let's be honest. When do we expect Kyler Murray back? Like, If we just say, make up a number, week eight. Let's just halfway through the season. What are the? How many wins do the Cardinals have at that point? If they're two and six, do you really bring this guy that you've got this massive investment in and say, "Let's see if your knee holds up for the rest of the season," or do you just say, "This season's a wash. Right. Let's let's sit you. Let's keep you over here. Yeah. Let's improve our roster this off season." And what they could mean by that is either trade Kyler Murray and draft mm-hmm. a quarterback, mm-hmm. or draft pieces that help Kyler Murray win, depending on what the direction of the franchise, what they think it needs to be. But yeah, because you know what? If like let's say they want to keep Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray's coming off, uh, he's fresh, right? So fresh legs after not playing for an entire season, and they have the number one overall pick and they have another early pick with the Texans pick, they can trade the number one overall pick and get incredible value no for doubt. it. And still have an early first-round pick with that Texans pick to t- take an offensive lineman or, yeah. or whoever to help make this team competitive next season. And I also think it's interesting the Cardinals still have not named a starting quarterback. Uh, Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon, uh, two uh, It's got to be Josh Dobbs. You would assume, but... Why haven't they announced it yet? Every other team's made an announcement. Yeah, it's got to be the Dobbs. The Cardinals have not. It's got to be Dobbs. Uh, I like Washington in week one. And there's an interesting uh, interesting wager that can be made at Circa. Who will have the worst record in the NFL? The Cardinals, if you think it's them, two to one. That feels like – I, I mean, like it. 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, there's are there other teams I could see having a worse record? Yes. It feels like they're pretty likely, though. And, again, I, I've got no reason to feel like the Texans want to lose games mm-hmm. or the Panthers want to lose games. You can see reasons why it would make sense for Arizona to be okay losing games. So, to me, 2-1 to one is a strong bet if you can find that. If I would look, make it. If you look at the teams with the lowest win total, I feel like the other teams are very motivated to win. Here are the other five worst teams after the Cardinals. Buccaneers, coaches on the hot seat that he wants to win. Sure. Texans, they've lost for the last two years. And they don't have a win. draft pick. Uh, Josh McDaniels for the Raiders is the fourth worst team. He hasn't had a winning season in his head coaching career. He's going to want to turn that around. And then the Commanders. I feel like all those teams are going to win five, six, seven games. Cardinals aren't going to touch that. I don't think so either. I, I, and, I mean, the, the gap between win totals even is so wide yeah, now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's two games between to, the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. For it to be two to one, just it feels like real value. So unless the market's just completely wrong mm-hmm. about what the Cardinals are, they're the worst team by a good ways. I like the two to one, and I liked it at Bet Online when it was plus two fifty, but they moved to minus one ten. Whenever I can get a two to one, <laughs> where another sharp book is offering minus one ten, I like doing that. The FIBA World Championships continue today, and the U.S. back in action. We're now in the medal rounds, so the quarterfinals. Th- these games count now. Uh, the U.S. takes on Italy. Mackenzie Rivers are. NBA expert and the closest thing we have to a FIBA World Championships expert in the in the house, Mackenzie. I, before we get into this U.S. Italy game, I want to talk about the Lithuania loss, and I know it didn't really matter because the U.S. had already solidified their spot. But I, I think this loss could be looked at as one of two things: it could be a wake up call, like, "Hey, we got to stop BS, and we're not uh, unbeatable. We we have to go out there and give max effort every game, and that's what they do going forward." Or it could shake their confidence, and it could be like, "Hey, we're not we're not the big bullies on the block." It's like, I, I I talk about this in MMA a lot. Like, there's there's two ways you can handle your first loss. You can be like Ronda Rousey and think you can't lose, and then when you lose, you just crumble because mm-hmm. that's that's what you've built yourself up sure. to be. Yeah. Or you can be someone who's like, "It's going to happen. It's part of the game. Let's go back and get better and figure out why." What do you think USA takes away from that Lithuania loss? I think it's a wake-up call, and I think it's good for them. First of all, on the practical side, they get to have the easier route to the final. They don't have to face Canada. They don't have to face Luka and Slovenia. But more than that, I just think the fact that they were undefeated in the warm-up games, they were 5-0, and they were down by like 20 against Germany in the first half, and they ended up winning that game. I feel like they kind of felt like they were just kind of uh, – the opposite of snake bitten, where they were just going to find up, find a way to win these games. When that's actually not who they are. Like they actually are a scrappy group of guys. When you actually look at the roster, and a lot of those guys, like Jalen Brunson, aren't like these pedigreed superstars. They're actually guys that earned their keep and got to where they are uh, through hard work. And I think Steve Kerr said it. He said he couldn't sleep. You know, he was really disappointed. But I think, like a lot of coaches, you see this in college where Coach K's kind of or Coach Calipari's kind of happy that they're not undefeated going into the tournament. They got their teeth kicked in. They're actually going to, I think, probably have better odds. And their odds actually increased after the loss. Yeah, and Anthony Edwards was phenomenal in that game. It, it, who do you think needs to step up as the second scorer? Who do you think needs to be the number two? Because Anthony Edwards feels like he's pulling his weight every game. It feels like the U.S. needs someone to step up and be that next guy. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be Jalen Brunson. It has been, as far as like how much of the ball he's had, it has been Austin Reeves. Uh, he's kind of been... He scored like 10 points and no field goals the last two games. It's all free throws, and you really can't rely on that, especially as you get into these do-or-die 
medal round tournaments, I think they're going to call less. And you can't, I mean, he's always been a guy that's, that's been able to get to the free throw line. If you can't, don't have that, you probably want Jalen Brunson to be doing more of the shooting. All right, let's talk about Italy. Their opponent today, a 16-point spread. Uh, Italy just won their last game by 16 over Puerto Rico. They've got a win over Serbia, uh, lost to the Dominican back on the 27th. What's this Italy team bring, and, and or should we be worried at all? No, 16.5-point spread. I don't think we need to be worried, especially coming off a loss. I'll tell you what they don't bring. They don't bring Paolo Bencaro to the equation. The former in- Italian international who played his whole youth career with them, got on the phone with Grant Hill right before this tournament started and was convinced to be part of the USA. Now he's like our eighth most important player coming off the bench. He would, <laughs> be, he would have been the star. He would have been their star. So that tells you a lot. This is a scrappy team. This is not a team we're expected to lose to. And we asked you last week if, if you thought the U.S. was going to win this thing. Do you still feel that way? And, and if, if not, who do you feel like is the team that, that takes this thing? Germany. Is very oh. is very sneaky. They're, we're, we're probably going to face them in the semifinals. Uh, just seeing what Schroeder getting into that heated debate with his coach seemed like a, got a lot of guys that were very committed towards excellence. Uh, I think the USA still wins it. We got the easier bracket. We really only have to worry about Germany now on that side of the bracket. Uh, but I'd say Germany at eight to one. If you don't believe in the good guys, I think that'd be an interesting flyer. This Canada Slovenia game tomorrow morning. Uh, Best game of the tournament. You got SGA, Luka Doncic going at it. Canada's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, but it's still going to be great to see the best two players in the tournament going head-to-head. It's funny because nobody thought Slovenia was going to be any good. They were like, it's Luka and a bunch of guys. Right. I guess sometimes that's enough. Like, Luka's been that good. I probably should have thought about this coming into the tournament. If there was one basketball event you could win just with one great player, it's going to be a tournament like this where he has to be the better player. He has to be the difference maker in the next two games or three games. And if he does that, he's the champion. So I think it actually is possible. Slovenia, I didn't really give them a chance entering the tournament. I think this is the one tournament you can win with one guy. You know, I, I was thinking about this, thinking ahead. This is probably great news for the Mavericks that Luka's actually playing some meaningful basketball o- o- over the the No fall doubt. Because we've seen him come in out of shape and have to work his way into shape. Like, if they get a, a good fit Luka showing up to start the season – Mavericks may have a real strong season ahead. Yeah, there's been not one summer photo of Luka Doncic with a beer in his hand having fun in Croatia. It's going to be a little bit different, or Slovenia, wherever he's from. I'm sure he goes to Croatia from time to time. But he's going to be in shape, better in shape than he was last year when he came Zion-like at 250 pounds to camp, reportedly. All right, thanks, Mac. Hopefully tomorrow we're, uh, we're discussing the U.S.'s obvious victory over the Italians. Well, speaking of the FIBA tournaments, you can use the promo code FIBA20 at pregame.com to save 20% off your purchase. Whether you'd like a daily best bet, uh, you can get a best bet for Thursday's NFL game or for a Major League Baseball game today or maybe a FIBA game as we progress throughout this tournament. FIBA20 gets you 20% off. In my opinion, the best way to get the most bang for your buck, jump on board a season-long subscription package. You get every pick from your favorite pregame pro for whatever season you choose. College football season, the NFL season, you can get the rest of baseball season. Take 20% off using the promo code FIBA20. Also on pregame.com, we are still accepting entries into our free-to-enter contests. We have the Beat Steve Fezza College Football Contest, and we have the Like Super Contest NFL contest. Enter those for free at pregame.com. Just click on contests. FIBA 20 gets you 20% off your purchase. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Sandberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.